The sun has left and forgotten me. It's dark, I cannot. Your stories don't define you, but how you tell them will. Hi, I'm Sarah Elkins, your host and chief storymaker at Elkins Consulting. A quick reminder for listeners who are interviewing for jobs. Our course, Get Hired Job Interview Storytelling, is available for just $199. That includes the online course and a storytelling practice session. So visit elkinsconsulting.com for more information. Today's guest is Sharon Seibert, and she's calling from near the Boston area. I am so grateful for Sharon's time today, and you'll get it as soon as we get started in this conversation. Sharon, thank you for joining me. And thank you for asking me to be with you and your friends uh, to have this, whatever we talk about, to have this conversation together. Thank you very much. So from Massachusetts to Montana, howdy. All right. Yes. It's so funny. Um, For our listeners, we were talking about what we're going to talk about just before I hit record. And Sharon mentioned something. She said, oh, but we can't talk about that. And I said, we can talk about anything. It's my show. I make the rules. I am (laughs) the queen of the airwaves for the moment. Yes. (laughs) For whoever is going to listen. And it's funny because I was just having a conversation with a coaching client because I'm a StrengthsFinder coach. And I mentioned my command. She said, oh, you really like to make the rules. And then I mentioned my adaptability. And she said, and you like to break them. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. So Sharon, I always love to get started with these conversations by asking my guests to share something about themselves that most people probably don't know about them. And this is a way of our audience getting to know you in the context of your humanity and what is different about you. And just as another brief explanation for our listeners, because I realized this yesterday in a conversation What this does is it gives you a way of looking at somebody from a different perspective to know that people are multidimensional. So if you hear something that might not sit quite right with you, keep listening because you never know what other dimension will appear if you're listening for it. All right. Excellent. Well, good. Uh, I was so uh, excited to speak with you because we both have deep music. Uh, in our backgrounds. And, uh, you know, in terms of the things that have shaped me, uh, the things that people don't know about me, is that I am a professional musician. I have been a professional musician. So I grew up, my family tells me that the first time they realized that about me is when I crawled over to my sister's crib, and her name was Irene. And I sang the song as the two years old, that my that my parents and uncles and aunts had been singing to her, which was the good night, Irene, good night, good night, Irene. I'm sure I didn't do that well when I was two years old, but I got I got the gist of it. And as I tell people, it's not Mozart, but it's pretty good. And so that I know that 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 gene, that DNA in me that makes me who I am was the the being a, a musician. And I love uh, yeah, that. isn't that great? And you when did your gifts first show up as a musician? Well, my mom would probably say something similar. I used to sing as I was going through the house. So my mom would say, Sarah, where are you? And I'd say, I'm in the kitchen. (laughs) I would sing my answer. (laughs) That is just great. And um, well, 
the and this is one of the things that actually started to excite me about looking at people's different gifts. My work is really all about helping people bring their gifts into the world. And so it was as a child, one of the other moments that really shaped me um, is that I um, uh, remember being a child and my dad always tried to do the home improvements himself. Okay. And, and sometimes successfully, sometimes not. And there was a moment when my mother would just heard all the little ones away from all the swearing that was going on, that he was trying to <laughs> fix the sink and call in the plumber. And I remember being like maybe four or five, six at the outside. And I was sitting watching this plumber underneath the sink. And I remember having the thought in my lifetime, I will never be able to do what this man does. He is different for me. He does this really great. Isn't that amazing? And then, then this has blossomed into my work of helping people realize their gifts in the world. Oh, it came from that moment is like, you know, <laughs> was quiet in the house. The plumber was working. Dad wasn't swearing anymore. And it was like, <laughs> ah, I, this guy's, this guy's a miracle worker. You know, he, look what he can do. It's just amazing. That's so cool. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was I was, was one of those things, you know, little Zeus lightning bolts, the king. I got it. Okay, I got it. Yeah. A- and then I went on when I went on to um to college, I took music and psychology, um, two two different BAs. And um and I, you know, love both of them deeply. Um and after I left school, I decided that I would become like a music teacher, piano teacher. My degree is in piano performance. And um and it was in my first few lessons, I realized I had thought that anybody could be a musician. I thought being a musician was just part of the human composition. And then I started teaching and went, ah, maybe not. <laughs> and that was a huge opening for me that I, when I realized that, yeah, uh-huh. and yeah, it was, it was like, it was like, well, this person, you know, this person is a physician. He he does surgery, but he can't do music. <laughs> just just not in his. It's somehow that's just not there in his package. And uh, all of these things were revelations to me at the moment. I just really thought I can teach anybody how to do this, and not. Oh. Uh, I love that. I I had this wonderful conversation with my friend Lynn uh, Rive up in Toronto, and she said that she had taken up, um, what instrument was it? Cello? Mm-hmm. Yes. She took up the cello um, a few years ago as an adult in, I think she's roughly my age, but late forties, early fifties. And she said, I realized that I took it on because I've always loved hearing it. Ah. I've always loved watching people play it. So I took it on and I realized when I stopped that just because I love something doesn't mean it's mine to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, you know, that that's so right. And people finding those things, it's such a gift. The um the I, I learned in recent years that the Greeks had something they called eudaimonic happiness. It's EU, then D-A-E-M-O-N-I-C, eudaimonic, indwelling spirit is what it means. And, and when you recognize your gifts, you, you bring this indwelling spirit out into the world when you're really using your gifts. So if you're not a cellist, you don't want to hammer on with that because you're, you might be a brain surgeon and that's what we need you to do. 
but if you're a cellist, God bless right. you. Yeah. So this is this is the <laughs> the the workaround that I love to do is that if people have such deep satisfaction when they get that when they get that thing they are. And the Greeks believe that you can dig your whole life and it's this golden figurine that's covered by all this mud or clay and dust. And but if you get it, wow. Yes. And explosive. isn't that great? Yeah, it's it. And that's it. And and God knows we need everybody to bring their gifts to the world now in the state of transition that we are. This is the moment that, you know, yes. that we want to support everybody in doing this. So all you listeners who are out there, get on with it because the world needs your gifts. And you yes. will be so happy and satisfied if you bring them. Yes. You just reminded me of a conversation I had a while back um, when somebody referred to a, a woman's talent in, was it music? It might've been music. I can't remember. And they referred to it as a gift. And she said, it's not a gift. I've worked really hard to do this, mm -hmm. to be this good at it. It's a gift if somebody just gives it to you, but nobody just gave this to me. And I realized that there's a fine distinction here. And because of because you and I share because you and I share this work around helping people understand what their natural talents are, what their gifts are. In Strengths Finder, we talk about these talents as a talent, and it isn't a strength until you're using it with intention. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So the <laughs> distinction is, you may love cello, and it may be something that you start playing. And you find great satisfaction in getting better at, mm -hmm. if you realize that you don't have a natural instinct for it, you don't have the natural talent, whether that's a physical ability, maybe you don't have the dexterity to move your fingers as fast as somebody else might, you may still love it. You may still get really good at it. But if it's not natural and instinctive the way it might be for someone mm -hmm. else, like Yo-Yo mm -hmm. Ma, for instance, yeah. Yeah. then you will never be as good at it as somebody right. who has those natural talents. So the, the question is, you don't give up. If you find great joy and love in playing basketball and you're five foot two, keep doing it, <laughs> for goodness sake. But don't stop looking for what you naturally are good at and you love. Because right. I'm naturally very good at doing laundry. That is not something that I <laughs> love. Sweet spot, anyway, that's your happy spot, sweet right? spot. Exactly. I'm really good at it. So finding what you're really good at and brings you that satisfaction, I think, is such a, a an important distinction. I love it. There was a study, and I believe it was out of the University of Southern California, a longitudinal study. I think that about 30 years they did this work, where they looked at when people's natural talents or gifts, whatever we call them, would come up. And what they discovered was that these talents can come up any or these gifts can come up in any uh, point, but usually by middle school. It's, the, it's clear that there are some things that are easier for you than for other people. There are some mm -hmm. things that are easy enough for you. So you go, well, anybody can do that. Like I do with music, like anybody can do that. That's no big shakes. And the people are really good at math. They're really good at, you know, I, why anybody can do this. It's so easy for me. No, what they discovered <laughs> is that those things had, and, and uh, emerged and were different. Now, the success and happiness of these people depended on their using those gifts in their life. 
That's the happiness factor that I was talking about, the eudaimonic happiness. So if they use this in their life, they would be happy. If they didn't, so their family has a uh, bookstore and they're supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, an accountant and and uh, they go to the bookstore instead, then they're just their their life just doesn't hold together that well. It's just not so uh, strongly, you know, right. woven. Satisfaction together. is missing. Satisfaction is not there. And, you know, uh, I know you talk a lot about authenticity and stuff. So mm-hmm. this is it, it's it's a, a, another view of authenticity or lack thereof. Sure, it is. Yeah, yeah I, I love that because, um, you know, I, I, I think it's so important to look back at those things that we yeah. found satisfying and understand that it doesn't have to be within the context of what we experienced then. So being able to see the patterns in what you found satisfying as a kid, mm-hmm. like for instance, um, I loved planning parties and I always loved cooking. That doesn't mean I'm going to be an event planner or a caterer in my life. <laughs> right, 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 um, right, right. But it was what I find when I look back at those times and how I've used those talents over the years, it has been to create an environment where people feel safe and nourished. Right. Like your podcast. Thank You're you. not feeding people hors d'oeuvres, but you are nurturing them with Thank what you, you bring out and you're gathering all that event stuff. So here, here you are, I would say, using those gifts. Ah, oh, I love that. So tell me about when you, so uh, just to back up a little bit, one of the things we talk about in StrengthsFinder is that um, we when those talents come so easily to us, we do often think, well, everybody does that. And that's, and that's actually when we know we're in the pocket of our talents is when that thought pops into our head. That's when you take a step back and go, oh, I can use this with intention. And this other person doesn't think that way. Mm. So tell me when you, I, I love this idea that you're working with a surgeon and he's trying to learn music and you realize, Oh, this is not his thing. This is not this is not working for <laughs> either of us. We are both frustrated here, right? <laughs> yes. And and I think sometimes we forget that working hard at something does feel really good. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like an accomplishment when we do something that's hard for us. If we fill our whole lives with that, we're gonna be really frustrated a lot of our lives. Yeah, and and you're not, you will never be great. You you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm going to do this because it's hard and I want to increase my skills. I'm going, well, let's think about this a little bit. (laughs) You're going to take a job that you know is going to be like not in in your sweet spot and and you want to learn things. So how do we contain this so it doesn't become this extremely frustrating career? I mean, how can you learn these? Can't you take a course? I mean, can we do something? Can we do this another way? Or just know you're getting into it for the short time. Like yeah. I did that and I could look back at, at it as a mistake, but instead I think of it as learning opportunities. But I did that. I took a compliance officer role. Oh, wow. And I don't even like rules. And <laughs> we know that. We, <laughs> yes. We heard that at the outset, right? Yeah, exactly. So here I am as a compliance officer. I knew it was a grant funded project. It was going to end. Ah, okay. So yes, take that leap. Try it. Because especially if you're younger, if you're under 40, 
you may not have been exposed to something like this. And it may really, yeah, really expand your skill sets and what you can do with it and be part of this fabric you're weaving and uh, know the rest of your career. Exactly. And so that if you end up managing somebody who's really good at that, you at least have experienced it to a certain extent so that you know what their talent is in comparison, Mm. not in comparison, in complement to yours. Very much. With an E. Oh, appreciating, appreciating their other, appreciating the things that people can do. Make sure that if you have a team, everything is covered so that we're not just doing this reinforcement of what we think. Yeah. Yeah. So you continue to challenge. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not comfortable, but very effective. We continue (laughs) to challenge that. Very good. Yeah. (laughs) It was a short time. I did it for about two years and uh, that was long enough for sure. I started looking for another job after six months. I knew. Uh Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't necessarily because of the work though. I was finding a way to make that work for me. It was the environment that made it unbearable. So if you're going to take that stretch, if you're going to take that job, you know, be prepared for this potential that it's going to be really uncomfortable. Do you have the support you're going to need to do it? Do you know you're going to get into an environment where you will be supported as you learn the skill that isn't going to be necessarily within your wheelhouse? So I think taking all of that into account before you <laughs> before I'm you sure leave. This is- yeah, yeah, I'm sure this is part of what you discuss with people, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we and uh, I, I, I both support and challenge the hell out of people so that they don't go into a place that somehow they think they should. We need to get oh. rid of those shoulds uh, and say, what is what's the objective here? What are we trying to do? Where are we trying to get to? How do we how do we manage that without hurting you? We, you, you have to stop hurting yourself. We've done that enough. So let's back up. Let's stop. Let's see what our options are. Really explore the options, not settle for something and, and, yeah, and negotiate around it. So if you know, this is going to be tough, how do we negotiate something? So it's not as tough. Mm -hmm. How do we, you know, how do we do this? So we're, we do not leave any, stone unturned and looking at how we can make this different. And I, I really, uh, you know, I don't like to have someone just accept a job. I, I, I say, I want at least three ponies in this race. You know, we are going to have <laughs> several options for you and we're going to negotiate the hell back and forth for them so that mm-hmm. you wind up in the best possible position for what you're trying to do. So your challenges are the right challenges. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. These are the right challenges. Are they <laughs> going to make you grow? Or are they going to give you an ulcer? You know, I mean, <laughs> I've had, in truth, I've had so many people come to me mid-career with life-threatening diseases or having just had their heart surgery or having just recovered from cancer and that sort of thing. And sort of like, we, we're not playing anymore. We are not playing in these environments that are so toxic that they're going to kill you. So how do we stop this? How do we change this? How do we, you know, make sure you have money for a roof over your head, but we're, we're, we're going to not hurt you anymore. I'm just going <laughs> to take that, what that frog out of your hands. Right. We don't have to be this way. There's so many other opportunities for you. There really are. Right. So we have to lift their, you know, their sense of worthiness and, and people's sense about, you know, what I can do. That's a huge challenge, as you know, in the very beginning, as people, they settle, they play small, and and they would feel so much better if we lift the roof on this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So tell me about a recent client. Um, what, what was 
so satisfying that you can pinpoint from your experience with a recent client? I, oh gosh, I, I adore my clients. You need, I have such special clients and they're doing wonderful things in the world. I have a client recently who has started her own business, having come out of higher education philanthropy. And so she's starting her own business and the philanthropy is going to be in social action, in climate change. And there was one more. So she, she's having, she's got her targets. Mm-hmm. And she, a few weeks ago, was offered a $250,000 job to come inside again into an institution uh, to do, you know, the fundraising philanthropy. And she said, no. <sighs> and as she said, no, she said, I, I, she said, the thing is, I, I didn't even consider it. I didn't even consider it because <sighs> I, I am making my own business. I have all these leads. And now this week, this recent week, she has three things that have landed as contracts for her. And now we have to worry about bandwidth. <laughs> How much time do we have? And we didn't hire ourselves to give ourselves a job. We yeah. hired ourselves to do a certain thing that we love to do. Well, yeah, it's the right clients, people who are nice to work with, are not demeaning you. I mean, she said, it just didn't even, it didn't, I, I saw it, I saw the money. I thought, well, that's interesting. And then I went on doing my business setup. <gasps> Isn't you did it, Sharon. I know. I was going, <laughs> woohoo, I have all kinds of things like that. You know, there's this moment when you're making your own business, like, which is really scary stuff. When you, when you, it's like the, with the hero's journey. I heard one of your people recently talk about the hero's journey. And there's a last stage that she had just passed. And one of the last things in the hero's journey is that you have the final trial, the final challenge. And if you pass that, you get into the kingdom. And I was going, that's her stage. That's where she was at that <sighs> moment. She said no to this, this thing that, you know, that we both <sighs> knew was not going to work out well for her. No matter how much money, if it kills you, it's not worth the money, right? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I just got <laughs> such a chill, Sharon. Like my, <laughs> I have goosebumps on my arms thinking about oh. that win. Oh, yeah, it's a huge win. And these are the things, this is the people that I work with are doing, in my opinion, massive things in the world. They're doing real change age. And I have a a client now who's on a sabbatical and she's a professor. And this woman is like, genius. Okay, she's a huge genius. And so on her sabbatical, right. She's on a sabbatical and she's writing not one book, but three books. Okay. And they're they're all under contract and everything. And these are these are really great books. But she is on the road to making of movement. And that's what we're calling it. We are setting up the the structure so she can have a world impact because her ideas are so important. And she looks at this whole issue of why social racial justice is important to white people. Mm-hmm. That is all of her writing about what what white people are suffering because of this discrimination. They may think they're not suffering anything, but they are suffering. So how do we release, how do we, the interest is in their understanding that this is hurting them and their children and their children's children. Um, so so she she's going to have an international stage on this stuff. And that, and for, for me, I feel like, oh, I get to help her. Oh, I get to help her. <laughs> and, and, and so for me, it's just, uh, it's just amazing what, what some of my clients do. But she's another person who came from really, 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 really getting beat up in the academic environment. And now she's gold. She's going to oh. be gold. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. I love that. I, I love to think about it. Uh, part of this whole idea behind the podcast is that 
we are telling stories that are going to unlock your stories as listeners. Mm, 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 and mm. when you were telling that story, I was thinking about, I had left my last job in 2018 to be exclusively self-employed. And those first few months were really hard. I was, I felt like I was totally floundering. I pretended like I knew what I was doing, <laughs> but really I was just filling my days with productive work, which was mm. doing projects that around the house and, yeah. and in our community it's that I've been wanting to get done. Amazing need to be clean, right? Amazing exactly. how many you can be on. And I have all this time, right? Oops. Yeah. yeah. And when I pe- remember- when, when people come to hold that thought, just when people yeah. come to me in that position, I say, you are forbidden to join another thing. You are absolutely forbidden. <laughs> you will, I will, I will come and hurt you if you join one more thing. So, because of course you don't have all the time you need right. to use it for yourself. I'm sorry. Right. So you were, you were no, just that's saying. That's great because my sister got me a magnet. It said, stop me before I volunteer again. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on the refrigerator. <laughs> that's a perfect interruption. It was perfect. <laughs> but what I'm remembering is um, at some point, somebody reached out to me and asked me to apply for a particular job that ah. was really, I'm like, oh, that looks really interesting. So I applied for the job and we were going through some really traumatic stuff at our house with a, one of our kids. And I was mm. in a really weird place. And I went ahead and interviewed and I did not feel like I nailed that interview, but at the same time, you know, I, I brought myself to it and that's all that mattered at that moment to um, me. That, yeah, yeah. I found that very satisfying that I could bring myself to it despite what was going on, the turmoil that was going on in my heart. But I remember at some point, my husband asked me why I interviewed for that job. He said, wow, good I thought him. you wanted to do your business. And I said, no, no, that wasn't. I don't want to do my own business. I just have to because it's, I can't find anyone to hire me to do what I do really well. Mm. I can't find anybody to hire me to do what I do well. And if somebody else could give me a job where I didn't have to do the bookkeeping or the expenses or the uh, business development, for goodness sake, yes, I would take a job that fit. But yeah. I remember that moment of thinking, okay, this this isn't it, and maybe it'll come in the future, but in the meantime, I need to do what I'm made to do. Mm-hmm. Spence Churkle, who wrote the book Working, concluded his book by saying that our jobs are too small for us. That was his big learning. Our jobs are too small for us. And so what seems to be happening for a lot of people is that is that there is no comfort place, no right place, no right sized job anywhere. So we are at a point of needing to create these things for ourselves. I mean, who who would hire us and and, and you know because they know they can't make us small anymore. We would fight back. Okay, so so that's there that you know the, the employer goes, well, you know, something about this person is just is too agitating for me. So I'm not gonna <laughs> she's too big for her britches or whatever it is. And and so we we mm-hmm. make the we're better able to make things uh right-sized for us and right uh talented usage for ourselves if we do it ourselves because no one is going to do that for you. And in companies, forget it. You have to do what they need you to do. 
So, so many people like us strike off and, um, and do different things. And it's one of the reasons I so love helping people do their own businesses or work with companies in consulting ways so that they're not dominated, they're not controlled, they're not, uh, uh, you know, hammered down. Uh, some someone once referred to me as the Che Kavara of coaches. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> we're not taking that. This is no more repression in no my life. More repression. No, no. You know, I, it just pains me to see what people go through. It just pains me. And when people break through on this stuff, it's not just for them, and it's not just for their families. And it's even not just for their communities. I mean, we are talking bigger and bigger and bigger stages now that we are out of this pandemic into a new world. You know, the Renaissance happened at the end of the Middle Ages after the pandemic that they had, which was the Black Plague. Two years of the Black Plague. Does that sound familiar to you? We are at a point of transformation, a pivot as humanity. And and my role, I hope, is to is to really get a lot of people in that I think will do great things for the world out there supported making it happen. I have one of my, I'll tell you one more story, one of my clients, because I love to brag on them. I have someone I've worked with for years and years and years and years. And and he's a he's a political player. I mean, he just knows all kinds of people. He knew all kinds of people in the Obama administration, knows all kinds of people in the Biden administration, knows all kinds of people anywhere. He's an attorney. And, and he, I little known to me, he was also like making recommendations for attorneys who would be good judges around the country. Okay. So he, he just, he's got, he knows everybody. Okay. And so he would make these recommendations. So recently he got a letter from one of the judges that he had, you know, nominated, you know, sent into the nomination process and the person was chosen. And the person wrote him a letter saying, thank you so much for this, because it has made a big difference in my life. And I think in the lives of the, of the people of our country, this is the judge who decided on Saturday voting in Georgia. Oh, oh, yes, that's big. Yes. So it's sort of like I get to tag along with these people who are doing yes. these massive things in the world and, and take people who are not sure about what they're going to do and take them into a whole different view of what is possible. I mean, that is to me, that is, I just, I want to blow the roof off of all of this, all these limits that have been placed on people. If we are indeed entering a new renaissance, which historically sounds kind of like what we may be doing in this in-between, I want to help position people to blow out the things that aren't working anymore. The and kind the, of more, yeah. the more I see this and what, what just popped into my head is the fear around artificial intelligence. Mm. And if we aren't as humans magnifying our natural talents, what we're really good, and I mean magnifying in exponential ways, we really do have a problem with AI. So right, yeah, your yeah. work is critical. It's a critical factor. Thank to you. <laughs> make sure that that humanity is remains the magic potion of what happens in our planet. Right, right, right. And to really seize the day. AI mm. is another tool, you know, and where is it well used? I had someone 
who was recently talking about using that in his classroom, a different professor. And I said, so how are we going to control for this thing about where it gets weirder and weirder every time you have, how are you, how are you doing quality control on that? (laughs) Yeah. So we, we talked about that. How do we do that? How do we gatekeep so that everybody is safe, particularly in student environments, my Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been doing some serious uh, damage by not paying attention to how technology is affecting people. Well, hello. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Just letting it go. Yeah. Yeah. Not okay. We need to, it needs to be a tool that Mm. is serving as we are serving. So yeah, we've been really bad at keeping up on with that though. The technology has been so far ahead of where we've been as individuals using it. Yeah. You, you hit something very important, which is that how do we evolve morally to keep up mm-hmm. with the the intellectual development exactly. how do we evolve morally and that has lagged behind you know how can big we do time. more big time right so part because of our of greed and yep absolutely greed ignorance um not caring all of the all of those things above mm-hmm. so as so for the people that that i work with and, and talk to is like how do we seize the moment in this transition, in this in-between, to totally reshape what's coming. We can't let it happen by itself, right? This is not, that we've not done well with that. <laughs> yes, not, that so not far, been, not so good. <laughs> not, not been a good formula for our success, no. Okay, so um, so how do we really, you know, take our moral compass and everything we touch is is um, uh, is influenced by that. Mm, everything Just, we touch. I just had a conversation with a man, Joe White, down in Denver, and he's going to be on my podcast in a, a few weeks. And mm-hmm. um, he said that we really need to focus on purpose. Mm-hmm. And he he had a, an interesting analogy we discussed, which I, I won't give any clues about that because the episode will come out in a few weeks. But um, I love this idea of Finding, I'm thinking about that first study you mentioned about children and their natural talents Mm -hmm, until they're 12 or 13 years old and being able to understand those early so that they can use them as they grow into adulthood and and figure out um, how their identity can shift once they know what those talents are. And that idea of having a sense of purpose that can be, um, that can be devoted, they can be devoted to this purpose, but also have not be rigid about it because as a kid, it may shift over time. Oh yeah, definitely. And you have many more talents and gifts. I mean, you have Mm -hmm. others that you can develop. Yeah. And the way I describe it is you can, you can have this purpose. And if you've really done the work as an adult to understand your purpose, you can look back through your life and see how it played out in patterns. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how I discovered what matters to me really was through understanding these patterns that I experienced. I don't think you can see them when you're young. I don't think you can identify your purpose when you're that young. But as you get into your older years, whether that's 25 or 80, you can look at these patterns and understand what the purpose was and then understand the how. So you can have Simon Sinek's why and that's not going to be meaningful to you until you figure out the how. Mm. Like I, I know my why, but 
How am I going to implement that? (laughs) How do I make a difference with it? Now what do I do? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So I I honestly think sometimes it's better to start with the what. What are you really good at? Which was where you come in and and then understand your why so that you can use it with intention with what you're good at. Right, right. And I like that, the sense of the purpose. Um, The work that I do is, uh, you know, the books that I've written all are based on the core. And so if we look at the core, like the center of the compass, and then the other elements are the points on the compass, that you can look at how do I align all of those things. So with my authenticity, with my purpose, with my core, it's like I've always got this compass. If I listen to my intuition, then I'm going to continue to pass in the in a good direction and mm. change it accordingly to circumstances and stuff but if we look at this compass that everyone has in their hands innately you know this is an archetype a human instinct everybody has it then you can really self monitor and mm. uh, and be very successful so um i'm assuming you've worked with clients that did not have great role models were not born into a family with compasses that were uh, aligned, let's say, with um, what compassion and humanity can look like. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. So how do you, um, in in my work, I uncover the stories that those personal narratives that did the damage in the first place, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that they can reframe them to understand what lessons they learned from it. What is What is your process for helping them understand that they really do have a good compass, even if they weren't raised with one. Well, well, I, I have had a bunch of those. And um, I remember one of the, uh, having a, um, uh, a client come to me and, and normally I talk with people and I say, so, you know, get back to me and we'll, we'll see if you want to work with me. And she said, no, we start now. And so it was like, you know, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, fine. That's fine. And this was someone who um, was literally tortured when she was a child by her mother. I mean, literally we're talking about mommy dearest and we were talking about uh-huh. honest to God stuff. And, and um, so I soon discovered that she had no um, uh, filters, no way to determine who was a good person and a bad person in her life. That had been blasted out of her. She was like a war victim, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've worked with them too. But, but in this particular case, we played a child's game that I do when I go into work in the urban centers. Uh, and and we've had kids who, you know, are, are challenged in, in what's happening around their environment every day. So it's called uh, red light, green light, yellow light. And, and, and you, I just said, cause she was talking about these people around her. I was going, these are not friends. I, I don't think these people are good for you. I think we need to take a step back. So we took a step back and we evaluated everyone in her life. Was it a green light person? So I can proceed with them. Was it a yellow light? Not sure yet. Let's check it out. Let's wait some time. Red light. Don't go there. And <laughs> yeah. And right. she, she got it. She was able to determine everyone in her life and who she, and she stopped bad relationships. She got good relationships. She did great in her job because she had this like red light boss. And so how did she, you know, how did she protect herself? So I give people, I have lots of healing techniques, self-healing techniques that people that I picked up along the way that I have people use. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, ah, you know, here's my grab bag. This is what you need this week and practice it and let me know how it goes. Very good. Now we build on that. Here's another tool. That sort of thing. So what I really want to see is that people can 
heal themselves. And and I have had a lot of damaged people come to me, a lot of damaged people that that have just soldiered on. And and it's just so sad. They've soldiered on their life. They have all these health problems. They have these relationship problems. No surprise because of all that they've they've had. To right. Yeah. And one of the people that is doing the most brilliantly now describes her family as having been that she was raised by wolves. The equivalent. I mean, that mm-hmm. it was so damaging and it, all kinds of really ugly things we don't even want to name went on. So, so, so yeah, people can do this. And, and it's, um, it's, it's really extraordinary how the human spirit can recalibrate. Mm-hmm. How when, when, when you give a helping hand to someone, they can do it. You know, right. sometimes that's just all they need. It's just that that reach out, just a couple of tools, someone who believes in them and some really practical stuff to do. And we can move that needle mm-hmm. and they can just transform their lives. But they are doing it. And, and right. I, you know, you can't do it for them. <laughs> no. My, yeah, as you well know. So, you know, the, the role I think that we have is what I would call magician at the crossroads. This mm-hmm. is the way I describe it. So uh, the hero comes from a battle beaten up, bloody, you know, crawling along, comes to a crossroads, has no idea what to do. And the magician appears, poof, you know, could be, you know, any one of the magicians, you know, the guide, Yoda, Yoda, Yoda comes, Cheshire cat, you know, Merlin, whatever. And, and that person's job is to hold the space while the hero heals him Mm. or herself. And then once they're healed, they know where to go. They know which road to take. So you mm-hmm. just hold the space for them. Help them ask the, the questions they need ask to ask. Ask the questions, yeah. Make it safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, give them some rest for the love of God because they've been pushing themselves so hard. They some need to heal. Yeah, Nutrients. Some yep, totally. Yep, yep. You're yeah. back to cooking, aren't you? Band-Aids. <laughs> <laughs> some Band-Aids. I always right. carried Band-Aids. I still, to this day, have children's That's so funny. Band-Aids in my purse for when I'm traveling and uh, I see a little kid that hurts themselves, those children's band-aids stop them crying instantly. That is too funny. When I was, I used to run a group health plan center. And one of the things that I insisted on was that we would have children's band-aids. And if the adults wanted the children's band-aids with the happy faces, they would get them. Cause I was one of those, I was one of those people. I need a happy face band-aid or I'm not doing this. So (laughs) I love that. You just made me think about um, a a few, well, I have all kinds of ideas running through my head, but the, the thing that popped into my head was those times when I can't be the guide for somebody. And that that feeling of um, not failure necessarily, mm. but definitely dissatisfaction. I know that when somebody isn't the right person to work with me, or I don't have the influence that I need with that person, it's not about me failing. It's that I'm just not the right guide. Uh, maybe they need Yoda, and I'm Merlin. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just not the right. They need a guide, but I'm not the one. And um, so I think about one of my first coaching clients who wanted to improve his communication and, um, and he, he, I could tell that he, I was not the right person for him in the oh. first conversation, but because wow. I was, I was just starting my business. I needed the money. I went ahead and, and we scheduled the second session and we had a, a six as part of this program. And the second session partway through, I said, you know, I don't think this is working. Mm. And I knew in my heart that it was because he didn't want to listen to a woman. 
And wow. I don't know, yeah, 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 I don't yeah, know yeah. what his background is. Maybe he had an abusive mom. Maybe, maybe he had just gotten out of a difficult marriage with a woman yeah, who really was yeah. for him, right? I don't know. I don't know why, but I knew that it was because I was a woman. You know, you sense that. Yep. And I said, this is, this is just not going to work. And here's, here's what I'm thinking. And it was basically what I'm telling you. I don't know what happened to you, um, but I'm not the right guide for you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to end this session. I'm not going to charge you for this session. I'm going to refund your money up to that first session. And I'm going to send you a list of three coaches that I think would be a better fit for you. Mm -hmm. He was so angry, Sharon. He he said, are you firing me? (laughs) And I said, well, if that's how you want to put it. And I said, but really, I just know that I'm not going to get satisfaction out of this. You're not going to get satisfaction out of this. And my reputation is on the line here. If I can't guide you in the way you needed to be guided, then you're not going to be happy with our relationship. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's not going to be good for either of us. So we ended the conversation. And I followed up and I actually reached out to, it was two coaches that I sent him. I reached out to each of those coaches, told them what I knew about this man and said, I really hope he reaches out to one of you and sent it off. And he was really angry. I refunded his money, but I could tell that he was, he was angry because he was hurt. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He felt dismissed. He felt like, and, and I knew that. So Six months later, I got a message from him thanking me for firing him. Oh my God. What a great result. But at the time it was painful. So tell me about a time where you felt like that was like you, you failed in it, or you realized you weren't the right guide, because I think it's really important to know that you have to keep looking. If you don't find the right coach, Mm, you mm -hmm. still need a coach. You still need a guide. (laughs) Even if you have tried two or three and they haven't been a good fit. Right. Well, the whole thing about the timing, the person being ready for the change, and they may start out thinking that they're ready for the change, and then they're not. Um, one thing that the first thing that popped into my mind is that um, I used to run a, a, a group coaching sessions at um, at the one of the Boston's boutique, uh, you know, coaching firms, and we had a group that we were running through, and it was going great, going great, going great, except for one person who was not going great for, and and so. We sat down with the person and, um, and, uh, we said, you know, we know, um, that this just isn't quite working out for you. So here's what we'll do. We'll, you know, get you all this information. You can continue to take the, um, all the material we have is yours to take. And, and we just really wish you well. It's just not moving for you right now. And, and you, you seem frustrated. So we don't want that to happen for you. So we'll give you help in this other way. I think it was about three years later, we heard from her and she was in another, she was in a far, far, far off place. And she had, um, uh, she wrote to say thank you very, very much because um, she was in a physically abusive uh, relationship and she couldn't, uh, she just couldn't move forward in her life. She was, I mean, really being badly abused. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew. Um, so she had finally left that relationship. Um, she was doing this new kind of work, da da da. And thank you for this. And I use the material going forward. And I just wanted to thank you for not making me wrong at that oh. moment. Is that oh, beautiful? Because she was a- being she was beaten up. It's 
emotionally and physically. Physically, yeah, yeah, emotionally and physically. So she couldn't. She she didn't have enough. Her. I sometimes say that some people are so damaged. It's like their core is Swiss cheese. I mean, they have had so much blasted out of them. And Mm -hmm. so the first thing that has to be done is this repairing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds to me like what you really do is you help people see where their instinct really is and help them trust that. Trust it. Yeah. And give them tools to move forward with that trust. That's right. the thing is that it's just, it's not, and then what do I do now that I have this, like you said earlier, now that I've got this, now what do I do? Right. So we want, we want all these different steps that mm-hmm. count, that take your nature, your, your core, your vision, your mission, your interactions, mm-hmm. your, I mean, all, and your structure. And then we do something with it. Then we wind up somewhere that's practical, right. that, that, that shows you, allows you to be in the world in the way you need to be. Hmm. That's beautiful. That's a perfect way to wrap this up. That was perfect. Sharon, (laughs) thank you so much for joining me today on Your Stories Don't Define You, How You Tell Them Will. I so appreciate your time. Excellent. 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 Very, it's been fun talking with you and just, and just hanging out together. So thanks so much. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Listeners, now it's your turn. What will you do with some nugget that you took away from this conversation? What small step can you take to find your natural talent? Or if you already know what it is, what's your small step that you can take tomorrow to start living it with intention? Thank you for listening. Smile, what's the use of crying? You'll find that life is still worthwhile. If you just smile